five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Fifteen minutes of flame, the hottest podcast on the internet. Wow, that was kick ass. Uh, Linda Ronstad, you're no good, baby. Baby, you're no good. And the great Andrew Gold playing one of the uh, tastiest guitar solo licks, I think from the seventies, really. Only a Lonely Boy, that, that was him on guitar. And that band was having way too much fun uh, playing that song. Um, they were into it. It's almost always the final tune on the Midnight Special. When they roll the credits, they, they kind of save the best for last in a lot of ways. I don't know why I have this tarot thing uh, up in the background here. doesn't really match the uh, the plaid that I've got going on. But I had a really hard time like picking what my background should be today is. So I sort of settled on that. I guess this could be a, a lot more, I don't know. That feels better, doesn't it? Like the, the colors work better. Northern lightsy, kind of chilly. I'm wearing the plaid. I think it's better than the tarot background. It wasn't wasn't working with me. Life's got to work with you sometimes, right? If, if life isn't working with you enough, then you, you just get ground into dust. And we'll all be dust one day. We'll all be dust one day. Trust me on this. And when that day comes, we hope that we can meet it with some degree of dignity, grace, and aplomb. Because that's where we're headed as a world. The world itself is shutting down the story is coming to an end and all the institutions that have propped the world up and kept it in this form of the somnulation um, are being deconstructed before our very eyes. So the death is happening, right? The death is around us. We can see it. We can taste it. We can smell it. We can see the, the, the uh, kind of the, the corpulent masses that have been floating around the the swamp of our psyche begin to emerge and arise when you have somebody who's a, a 300 pound trans person win a beauty contest you can begin to see the death of a culture just foment like pus before your very eyes right which is a true story by the way that happened welcome to the show this is 15 minutes of flame if you're listening on the podcast side of things you just missed out on a smoking rendition of you're no good by linda ronstead which i would put into the dark yacht category i'm still trying to find us some dark yacht stuff 
as we move through the uh, the endarkenment of 2022. So, um, heavy heavy hearts, uh, heavy times. Um, I alluded to uh, death, that thing that removes us from the body, the true exit from Plato's cave. And uh, one of the dear members of uh, Chataria uh, lost her daughter last night. And um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of grieving going on here. And I'm, I'm talking about one of my favorite people, Wendy, um, who always has the, the brightest and uh, most loving attitude of just about anyone in, a, in just a, a tremendous group. And uh, her daughter, Rachel, who's been really struggling um, over the past couple of years, passed away last night. So uh, Wendy is uh, obviously devastated. And she wanted me to uh, share the news uh, with you who are in Chataria. And uh, for those of you who aren't and who listen and or watch, uh, and you did you have not had an opportunity to connect with Wendy, um, she's always one of the most positive and um, just absolutely loving people uh, that shows up there. And it's not by accident. You know, she's been going through this uh, very intense situation with her daughter for a while now. So every day, you know, she's waking up knowing that her daughter is likely not going to improve. And yet she still is, uh, you know, just an absolute beacon when she shows up. So this is, this is what makes us human and really separates true humans out from other people who are pretending to be human, right? Because there are people that pretend to be human and they uh, have a lot of emotions and mood swings and they have their ups and downs and, you know, every single thing that they go through theoretically is part of some, you know, greater process that in some cases we're privy to see, uh, and I don't mean to take away anything from people that process like that, but, you know, real humans in my experience will deal with the intensity of life, right? They'll deal with the tragedy of life and then they show up and they show up and they, they, they even go to another level because they know that they're in the midst of something that is precious and fragile and worth living for. And so they check the box of affirmation, right? And not some cheap affirmation, but the affirmation that they're alive, that they actually count, they actually matter, and how they talk and speak and interact and communicate and treat another person is important and significant. And that's what sets real humans apart from people who are desperately trying to get to that place. And it's not easy. It's not an easy process to be able to get there because to get there, you got to get through a lot of shit. You know, you got to get through a lot of your, a lot of your baggage. Uh, and then there's a degree of selflessness that's involved, but then there's also a degree of dignity 
and boundaries and discernment that was also involved. So this is work, you know, getting to a place where you can be a functioning human is work. And a lot of people want to get, get past that part. It's like, get me out of here, beam me up. Let me have a fifth dimension. Let me have a fifth dimensional experience or, you know, let me jump timelines and look, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that shit's really exciting. Like when you have a high strange moment or when you have a peak experience, those things don't always happen, but when they do, they give you a, a, a peak as to what lies beyond this world or in between this world or the multitude of worlds that are out there or in there. Right. But a lot of people miss steps along the way. And the steps that they miss are really important steps. And that's about how we relate and treat one another here in this planet and how we relate and treat to treat ourselves. And um, don't underestimate the quality of being a human. I think it's really a very important part of our journey. Uh, and then, of course, we transcend these things ultimately right because we will transcend this body we'll leave the meat suit and then we'll go to wherever we go and we'll either be re recycled for loose food or um, we'll have some kind of meaningful uh, epiphany that we don't have to play the game whatever that is beyond the body right and we've had a lot of discussions about that but um, hopefully tomorrow um, we've been i've been touched with uh TJ, who's been in touch with Wendy, hopefully tomorrow we get a visual of of uh, Wendy's daughter, Rachel, so we can uh, actually have a look at this human, right, that we're talking about. So anyway, uh, it is with a sad note that we start the show, but um, there is a sweetness in sadness, and there is music in melancholy. So we're going to continue and do our best in... Wendy and Rachel's honor to have a as good a show as we possibly can. And um, with that, I'm going to talk about our sponsor. I know it's a hard transition in a little, little in ways, but it's a place to start, right? So tomorrow I will be uh, at the world headquarters of True Hemp Science in Austin. So if you're in the Austin area tomorrow, if you live in San Marcos or you live Cedar Park or wherever, you know, you're if you're in the area and you want to come by True Hemp Science, it's a small space, but it'll be cool. And uh, if you show up, come join the show. Be in the audience. Come sit down. Uh, you know, we'll be broadcasting for two hours. Um, I'll have Chris on, and he'll be uh, probably the main guest for, I'd say, the first hour. And then we'll do whatever we feel like doing. I might even take some Skype calls or something like that. So anyway, True Hemp Science is the sponsor of the show. And uh, let me go in and give them some love here. Uh, and the gummies are back. And thank God they're back. My Praise the Lord. Because they've been instrumental in my... Uh, sleep regimen so here we go there's the asmr version of the site the earth is our ceo true cbd this is uh, truehempscience.com 
backslash ref backslash 23 truemscience.com backslash ref backslash 23 you go through there and you can get any of chris's products you spend hundred dollars and use the code one five m-i-n-s and you will get free product spend 150 or more you'll get free shipping and i think he's got just about everything in stock so tomorrow um maybe we'll get a lowdown on some new products or you know get a sense as to where things are going and maybe we'll even do a giveaway or something like that um while we're uh while we're doing the live broadcast that might be fun giveaway or two i think chris would be up for something like that anyway uh if you're in austin tomorrow check out uh true hem science and what is the uh what's the address on true hem science let me find out Just so you guys know where to go if you feel like showing up. That looked like Jeff Baxter on the percussion. Let me see if I get the address here. Back in that tune. I don't think it was him, but it sure looked like him. Dun, 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 dun. All right, let's see. It's just, just going to take me to the site. Find us. Let's see. I should just go to the website here. All right, so um, True Him Science. Here, I'll, I'll do the uh, visual. So you can see it. it was on the website. Of course it was. Uh, it's uh, 505 West Mary. That's 505 West Mary Street, Austin. Uh, and Unit C, I mean, that's it, it's uh, basically the the storefront, right? You can't miss it. It's right by the soup peddler. We have very good soup at the soup peddler. Look at that. More locations coming soon. All right. We like that. So there you go. Come join us tomorrow. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's pay some attention here to Chataria. Let's do some greetings. Hold on one sec. Come on. Come on. <coughs> All right, here we go. All right, let's see who do we have here in chat. There's my man, DJMC, Michael, Sister Nino. What's going on, brother? There's Ryan, the uh, president of the International uh, Introspective Woodworkers Union of the World. He's here today. Good to see you, Ryan. C. Pines, what's going on, C. Pines? Is, uh, let's see, do we have Michael Pafford here? It's always a good day with Michael Pafford. TJ, what's going on, Tomas? Kelly B., she's in the house. There's the lovely Sony. It was so good seeing Sony. 
Sony has a classy look about her. Let me tell you. Classy lady. Who's that lady? All right, Beth Berry. Good morning, Beth. Beth, I'm sure you've got a classy look about you, too. Let's see who else. Equicentric. What's going on? Where's Thor and his hammer? I don't know. I don't know where Thor by the door is. We'll have to check in on him. I like the simplicity of these ladies. You know, the, I was watching them. The, the, there was that one singer on the far left. You can kind of tell she might have had a man or two in her life who was no good. I'm just saying she had that look about her. You know what I mean? Cremo, my dad had a crush on Linda. Linda Ronstadt was like a big crush for men. I knew this guy who was in this uh, uh, chat group, mostly the 49ers. And he would always bring up Linda Ronstadt. He was older. He, it was almost, it was almost uh, stalkerish in some ways, although he wasn't really a stalker. But apparently, what what happened to her? She has MS or uh, Parkinson's or something. They did a they did a big tribute to Linda Ronstadt probably about God eight or nine years ago, and they had uh, Bonnie Raitt, Emmy Lou Harris, and all these uh, women. And I think some men also uh, that sang her songs. I think she might have been going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or something. I forget which one it was, but she couldn't show up because she she couldn't sing. Her physical condition is not bad. What's going on, Christine? CC Jones for him. When music used to be fun, you can just tell those guys were just getting into it, man. I mean, that drummer looked like he'd done a few lines of coke, but still, he was into it. And uh, the percussion player, who I swear looked like Jeff Baxter, and then Andrew Gold just ripping through that tasty uh, lead on guitar. Good song. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Linda Ross, her voice was so pure, clear as a bell. I think she was a Taurus, if I'm not mistaken. Um, let's see, who else? Do we have Cappy Carey here? she in the house? It looks cold, yes. I had to, uh, I had to change my environment to keep up with the, with the plaid. Uh, dust in the wind. God, that song is so depressing, isn't it? All we are is dust in the wind. Visually, Kansas is one of the hardest bands to look at. And they didn't get better as they got older. Just saying. Uh, the code on the wall. Well, look at that. Wendy is here. Hello, Wendy. Um, our hearts are with you. And like a true human, she shows up in chat and uh, is right there, just like I said. Just like I said. It's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, let's see. The endarkment of 2022. Yeah. Like Coyote was in on our little election night. 
jam. And it was fun. And for people who are listening and are saying, God damn it, I subscribe. How come I do you? I'm sorting it out. I promise. I promise. It's going to get sorted out. And we're adding people to the list and it'll get there. Just hang with me. Uh, let's see. You guys are the best. You guys are the best. Uh, let's see. Lots of, lot, lots of love headed in Wendy's direction. And, uh, With 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 um, that's what I'm looking for. With good cause. Good cause. Kylie, what's going on, Kylie M? Good morning to you. Mark M is here. Morning, Mark. Yeah, hopefully we'll get a visual of Rachel and we'll be able to uh, have a little little moment tomorrow where we get to actually see some somebody who has i think those are important moments by the way looks like the crimmies are here it's always a good morning when the crimmies show up what's going on kns the gummies are stronger <laughs> yes they are stronger chris the mad scientist has tweaked with the formula <laughs> very effective um you guys are the best. It's not backslash, it's forward slash. Well, thanks, Equa. So forward slash on all the, the uh, just remember the 15 mins. That's the important part. You're welcome, Wendy. Anything we can do for you? Uh, just arrived from dreamland. Welcome, Rocky. I hope your journey was... A pleasant one. Let's see. Who else do we have here? Linda Ronstad. Sun Cancer. Thanks, Equa. July 14th, Sun Cancer. Uh, Ascendant. Let's see. Sagittarius. Moot. Oh, hold on. What do we have here? Yeah, Sun Cancer, Ascendant Sagittarius, uh, Moon Aquarius, Libra MC. Okay, got it. Hello, right back to you, Wendy. I too lament how good pop music used to be, so I'm thankful I recently visited my old roommate. I saw while voting plays guitar in a band, and his dad showed me his effects rig by playing his guitar in prep for a jam session later that night. So good. We need music. You know, we need, we need music. It's really an important part um, of our experience here in this world. Really very important part of our experience here in this world. And it's yet another thing that has been uh, stripped from our everyday experience. So it, this is this is really unfortunate in a lot of ways because we used to have things 
that we could count on that they would evolve right even with music music would evolve no matter what it was it would still evolve I mean, you, you could introduce a sampler and it, it would evolve and it, it was interesting right and i remember there was this group called pop will eat itself and they were one of the first groups to actually use i think it was like a 64-bit sampler or something like that and the name itself like I, I I just figured it out the other day. Like it took me fucking almost 40 years to figure out like how the name of the group and its um adoption of sampling techniques were were basically one and the same, right? Because by by sampling, you're taking something that's already been created and then you're reinserting it into the song, right? And sometimes it's it's like just grabbed whole as a chunk uh, or sometimes it's grabbed and then tweaked. Right. But it's like the process of pop eating itself. We're going to go back into uh, the library, vast library of music. We're going to sample it. We're going to, we're going to start to die. So it's a real postmodern thing, but even then it was interesting. There were still, you know, very interesting things going on with music and there still could be if they wanted to promote it. But of course, you know, they take they take money away from the music programs and schools. Um, and then of course there's the promotion of a particular type of music or musics that for the most part are garbage. And this is one of the things that's coming up in the hip hop community. And Kanye, who's made a shit ton of money off of hip hop. And I I'll be honest, I'm like, I'm not the hugest Kanye fan in terms of his music. I mean, in terms of hip hop, I I can t- there are other people that I think are are actually better than Kanye, but you won't hear about them. You won't know about them. Um, but I used to be, I was I wasn't like a part of the scene, but when I was at uh, this company E Music, um, the guy, lovely guy, um, who was head of the uh, kind of the hip hop genre at E Music. Um, they had they had to let him go uh, for a number of reasons, but they had to let him go. He was just a lovely guy. I really, he was just one of these really sweet, kind, smart people, right? And he was a little bit geeky. Um, anyway, just a good dude. So now they had to have somebody take over the genre. And um, my genres, like I was part of the thing that I did was I was called a genre manager, right? So I had electronic music. Back in the day, they called it world music. It's now international music. Uh, New age. And then then I got hip hop. So here I am, this 40 plus white dude, 40, 40, about 41. And now I've got to like surface this hip hop, um, connect with these labels, connect with the people that are making the music. That was an interesting time. And so we were getting a lot of non-major label hip hop, which was actually quite good. And there was a genre called um, backpacker hip hop. And it was uh, like sort of conscious hip hop. 
and it was it was as if public enemy took mushrooms and started doing hip-hop that's what it was like and so so we did have some of the darker you know more gangster style stuff um on the side but it wasn't predominantly that so i got turned on to a lot of really really interesting labels and um, artists on those labels and uh, you know how they produce the music and the samples and everything they were really great and a lot of them were in my estimation as good as kanye west but kanye came along at a certain point in time and i think it was pretty clear that he was going to be promoted so he comes out of the chicago scene and his first um appearance is on the dave Chappelle show as far as i i can remember that was the first time i saw kanye and he was on there with common this this rapper named common who's also an actor so they were piggybacking uh kanye on top of common and i'm watching this guy i'm like i think this guy's going to be big and i was at that time i was i was still at e-music and i've told this story before I went to uh, this guy, Wes, who was the head of this label called Seven Heads. I'm, and I, ha- I, I connected with him in New York City. And I said, you know, Kanye West is going to lift the profile of underground hip hop way up into the mainstream. And you know what? I was right. I was right about that. But unfortunately, what they've done is they've just invested in garbage hip-hop mumble rap which is terrible and um they celebrate shit like you know purple drink Uh, you know if you don't know what purple drink is it's um it's cough syrup but it's it's like codeine cough syrup you used to be able to get codeine in your cough syrup when you were younger like that's they would put small amounts of codeine in your cough syrup and you can still get it by prescription. And so it was much more available uh, back in the day. Like if you go back 10 years, getting the coating cough syrup was, was much easier. So what they do is they get the coating cough syrup and then they get the sweetest fucking soda they can find. Like Fanta or whatever. And it's almost always like, you know, the fruity tropical mix or the, or grape soda, which is another big one, which is why they call it the purple drink. And then they get shit like hard candy and they will crush the hard candy up inside of this concoction. Right. And the name of it is called, called lean. They call it lean. And the reason that they call it lean is because after you drink it, you just kind of lean back. And man, life's a lot easier to uh, to deal with. So this is one of the narcotics and concoctions that's promoted in modern rap. They even talk about it. There's a Charlemagne the God interview with Lyra Cohen where he talks. They talk about why do you promote music that promotes the use of lean? Unless you know what they're talking about, you won't know what the fuck they're talking about. And Lyra Cohen appropriate name says i gotta put you know food on the table 
this is i think this is some breakfast club shit or something like that. it was or it may not have been the breakfast club but charlamagne the god was on it and now all of a sudden they all want to jump on kanye and they all want to write it they all want to ride kanye's dick now because kanye is saying things and doing things by the way he's been gone for a week no 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 contact with kanye Meanwhile, everybody's running around trying to find out who Harley Pasternak is, who seems to be a handler, not just for him, but for a number of people in Hollywood. Probably gets paid extremely well. It's clear that he has a CIA-trained background. It's part of his um, CV, as it were, right? And um, he basically threatened Kanye, and I brought that up with Danny on the Friday show basically said, Hey, look, here's what we're going to do. You and I are going to sit down and we're going to have a loving talk. And we're going to, we're going to agree that you're not going to spew this bullshit. Or I'll take you back to Cedar Sinai and I'll pump you so full of drugs and send you into zombie land that the next time you see your kids, uh, it'll be a very different experience. That's what he said, right? So now everybody's trying to find out more about uh, Harley Pasternak. <laughs> so the Kyrie situation still hasn't resolved itself. Although the rumor has it that Adam Silver had a very good conversation with Kyrie Irving. Well, isn't that just fucking nice? A very good conversation. Gee, it warms my heart. You guys want to see what Adam Silver looks like? He looks like Nosferatu. I call him Commissioner Nosferatu. He also looks like a denizen of Dark City. So this is Adam Silver, Commissioner Nosferatu. Oh, my God. Look at this guy. That is some creepy genetics. Here he is with Kyrie. Oh, look at that. He's part of the Rockefeller Foundation. Oh, does that surprise you? Doesn't surprise me. In fact, he's on the board of trustees. Look at that. That tells you tells you a lot about Mr. Silver, doesn't it? Mr. 40 pieces of silver. So apparently Kyrie has had some very positive talks with the commissioner. So here's where I think things get uh, interesting. We'll talk about politics as a three-card Monty because that's part of today's show. And they're still waiting for the final vote tallies in Arizona. 70% of the votes are in. Uh, yeah, 
it's two days later. Two days later, and they're still counting votes in Arizona. Isn't that convenient? But I think they're, I think, who is it? Lauren Boebert was down by 65 votes with 5% of the vote in Colorado. I don't know where that's going to go. Um, and then we have the whole Trump DeSantis drama, which is unfolding. And I'll talk a little bit about that. But with all of this attention, with all the light that is being shown and directed onto a certain group of people who seem to be very much in control of a number of different institutions at a high level, right? As this light begins to shine into the darkness of those places. And even if it's not the profile of the quote unquote particular person or person that's related to a group that is the head of a certain institution, whether it's Pfizer or C or the CDC for that matter. Right. Um, there's going to be somebody in that position that is going to be politically and economically aligned with the group and the agenda. I mean, let's just be straight up. Right. So as that light gets shown and you see people like Ben Shapiro squirm like a little cockroach in the middle of the night, right? When you throw, or when you throw the light on, right? That's what Ben Shapiro is. I don't, I don't really care if you'll probably never see this, but I think he's a little cockroach because Ben Shapiro, and this has been clearly stated and articulated by any number of people is free to talk about any other group except his group, who he represents. At that point, it is verboten. It is really the Maginot line of discussion. You can talk about pronouns. You can talk about globalists. You can talk about uh, socialists. You can talk about communists. You can talk about Black Lives Matter. You, you can talk about drag queen story hour you can you can talk about all these things and bring them up in a forum where you know the facts aren't feelings right but if you continue to go down that list and start to get into other areas you're you're really in a no-go zone so there is it's like a back in the day when they would have these protests when Bush was president. They would have these. Um, so they would have like the, they would have Bush and they would have like the G8, the G20 and all these things that would meet. Right. They had one big um, conference. I think it was in Pittsburgh. So they had the, the, the free speech zone, which was basically like three blocks away. And you couldn't, you couldn't even get near the event. Well, it's kind of like what this is, you know, you have a free speech zone and if you stay within your free speech zone, you're cool. Like there are things that you can talk about with the free speech zone. And then 
once you get out of the free speech zone and you cross that line, it's, you know, get back in there. You, this is not what you're supposed to be talking about. So there are sentinels and Ben Shapiro is a sentinel to keep you in your free speech zone, supposed free speech zone. So what happens now is one of two things. And Kanye, I swear to God, Kanye is, uh, I have this weird connection with Kanye. We're, we're both splenic projectors. And in a couple of weeks, um, I'm going to get Darlena Watson on the show. She's got some commitments, but she's going to show up once a month on the Sunday night show. And we're going to take uh, one human design chart of somebody who is uh, in the public eye. And we're going to talk about it. So when she's free, I think probably sometime after Thanksgiving, she'll be on uh, once a month. And the first chart we're going to look at is Kanye West's human design chart. And we were actually talking about it. She said, it's very interesting. And so I've been using this metaphor of this snowball rolling downhill and picking up this momentum and the snowball becomes an avalanche. Let me see if I can find this. Um, So Kanye was on um, <clears throat> Drink Champs, and he starts talking about the snowball effect. Let me see if I can find it. This is this this interview was on Revolt TV and it was taken down, although there are uh copies of it that are still up. And I highly recommend watching this interview. It's a very long interview. You probably have to take it in doses. But Kanye says some things in this interview that are that are pretty mind-blowing. He rambles. He circles around things, but when he hits on something, he really hits hits the spike, right? So this is just random. I, I'm, I'm trying to find the snowball thing. It's just the businessman. It's not the people. It's not nobody else. Right. But if a Jewish person does good, all of their people eat with them. That's one of the flips. I got to tell you something. Where is a black guy that has a Jewish person signed to him. Point it out. Tell me that. Mm. Where is a black person that's signed to a Jewish person? All of them. Basically 90, basically 90, uh, 90% of them. So what I'm saying is, y'all done poked the bear too many times. Y'all should have learned with Drake. Y'all should have learned with Puff. Y'all should have learned with Hove. Y'all dealing with a different kind of animal here. You know, everybody wants to say I'm 730. Well, I'm going to use that to my advantage. I told y'all I was the leader. I told y'all 
I'm going to free my people in the name of God, and I will put my life at risk. Because if I wasn't in a glass prison, just like Larry Hoover's in a real prison, then I would have had to say so when my kids go to school. I go into my kids' school, I see Hanukkah books, then I see Kwanzaa. Christmas is Christ's mass. Where's Jesus in the school where all the celebrities are paying you for the kids to go? Cell? I'm sorry. You, you, you like, say? like a, like, hey, I'm talking about. Right. But ain't nobody right, listening to me right, type right, shit. You know right. what I'm saying? I'm in like a glass box of like right. celebrity with a bunch of handlers around me and shit. Right. And people colluding behind my back and being like, is he ramped up? What right. we gonna say now? What I told y'all, because I talked to Larry Jackson last night and he was like, yo. From iTunes. Yeah, but now he's got his own deal. He said, he started telling me how Clive Davis changed his life. Mm. And I talked to him for six minutes. He said, well, usually we talk back and forth. I said, Larry, this is my life, though. Mm -hmm. I'm letting you know so you can let everybody know what it is. Mm -hmm. What it is at this point. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm not afraid. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of y'all no more. And we don't have to be afraid. I understand that they got us so paid off every which way they cutting out. And my whole point just off the tweet, the fact that what does that even mean, what I said? And the fact that I got taken off proves my point. Jamie Lee Curtis went on TV and said, I hope they take his children away from him. I hope they take his children away from him. Everybody they put out, Triple X, Tupac, that's what Larry was saying. My response was, well, I guess I'm next then. Because it's no backing down at this point. I talked to Q because Q been labeled an anti-Semite. First of all, we are Semite. We Jew. So I can't be anti-Semite. First of all, I need my four stadiums back. The 78 media outlets that call me abuser when I was trying to get that heroin addict away from my kids that was tattooing my kids' names on them, Skeet, Pete Davidson, they popping up. You know what I'm saying? It's like... They, uh, Trevor Noah, not even from America, right. he just looked black, right? right? Uh, gonna tell, gonna say, yo, Kim, it's gonna get dangerous. So they putting all that, he crazy, he's so OJ. Right. My, Nori just want the family back together. Right. I just want the family back together. Right. Kim is a Christian. On TMZ, I just saw yesterday, they said, Pete Davidson and Kim have sex by the fireplace to honor their grandmother. It's Jewish Zionists that's about that life, that's telling this Christian woman that has four black children to put that out as a message in the media. So when I drive by and I see the Hulu ads and I say the J.P. Chase Morgan ads, I'm gonna let y'all know right now, the devil is a defeated foe. You can't poison me, and by the way, Y'all done already fucked with me so much. Y'all already black mirrored me. You already made everybody think I'm crazy. You already took my family away. You already separated all my friends. I don't got no celebrity friends. Because when I was on TV, on Instagram saying, I don't know where my child is. And the Kardashians kidnapped my daughter in public. And I didn't have the address of my child. None of these niggas that want to say something Travis now. Travis gave you the address, though. Travis gave me the address. Right. But as far as Meek Mills, no. Puff Daddy, whoever, none of these niggas. All you fake hard niggas, fuck you. Wait, Come, wait, no, no, wait. hold on, hold on. Okay. All you fake hard niggas, fuck you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't give a fuck who, because you can't shoot nobody anyway. And the reason why you got talks because you did a deal, you fucking fed. You know what I'm saying? That's why you got to come at me, because part of the deal, for you to be a do all that, 
and get out of jail is that you promise that you're gonna go pull my co-car. So y'all niggas shut the fuck up about me. Now let me say it calm. You niggas shut the fuck up about, you shut the fuck up about Michael. Right, right. I'm Michael now. Right, Every right. Michael you can think of, right. but mostly Godfather Michael now. No, 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 I'm Michael now. I'm Michael now. I am the richest. Right. They say you're the richest black man in American in, history. In history. In American in history. Can we make some noise for that? God damn it. All right. So that gives you a bit of a flavor of the Drink Champs interview. Three and a half hours of uncut, unfiltered Kanye. And when he, so he was invited to come on that show, right? That's an invitation. Not all invitations are equal. But he was invited to come on that show. And as a projector, that's what he's looking for. And then once he steps through that that portal and he's in a room where people are going to be receptive to what he has to say, you can see he's on full blast. Right. I mean, from a human design perspective, that's really interesting. When he's on with Lex Fridman, another invitation, right? They're not all equal. They're not all equal. And yet he, I thought, comported himself pretty well, although there were some contradictory points um, in his, uh, in his presentation, especially when he talked about genetics and Kim, his thing with Kim Kardashian is just weird. But I think the interesting question is, is would Kanye West, knowing what he knows now, would he still have hooked up with Kim Kardashian? It's an, it's an interesting question. So we haven't seen him in a week. Harley Pasternak has threatened to turn him, to take him back to zombie land. Um, but there's a bigger, there's a bigger piece here. And when we look at groups, power structures, people that we would consider the uh, so-called architects of our reality, right? And we begin to narrow the aperture and we begin to really see where these, you know, these people and these groups align. And all of a sudden they're kind of in the crosshairs now. What do those groups do? And by the way, I believe there there are three main groups, four if you count the crown, because a lot of people think everybody starts with the crown. And I think there's some there's a lot of truth to that. Basically, you and, and again, I say this unapologetically because um it's on the table, right? You have Jewish power. It is a group. It is a group. It is a, it is an unmistakable. Um, irrefutable group. The other group is Jesuit power. You see, now I'm spreading the group hate around a little bit. No, I'm just kind of kidding here. But when you see people that are in power in politics, I guarantee you they're Jesuits. They're Jesuits. Gavin Newsom is a Jesuit. Donald Trump is a Jesuit. He went to not one, but two Jesuit schools. He went to Fordham and uh, Penn U, both of whom are Jesuit schools. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis went to two schools. One was what um, 
uh, Skull and Bones. He's a Skull and Boner, was at Yale. But then he went to another school, and I think he got his postgrad at a Jesuit school. Gavin Newsom, I already mentioned, is a Jesuit. Um, Joe Biden's a Jesuit. The Jesuits have an insane amount of power. And it's usually political power. There's no there's no coincidence about that. The other group, obviously, are Freemasons. Right? So those are three main groups that tend to have a great deal of power, influence, and sway over this reality. And it is clearly not uncommon for those three groups to work in tandem with the crown as being a centralized organizational point of focus for these various groups. You know, we got into the, uh, the Rothschild story a little bit yesterday and uh, how the death of Evelyn Rothschild really signifies the end of the fiat currency world, which again, when you go back and you look at, it, it, the the first Baron de Rothschild, the true first Baron de Rothschild, who attains peerage, not through bloodline, but through privilege, right? He's the one that starts everything in the 20th century. He's the guy that funds all these major wars. He, he funds the Suez Canal. We talked about this yesterday, right? And born on November 8th. And then Evelyn de Rothschild, again, theoretically dies on November 8th. So it's a bookend. It's a bookend for historical period. And what are the Rothschilds connected to? They're connected to fiat lending. The Federal Reserve. And then it comes to an end. The story comes to an end. And that's what the death of Evelyn de Rothschild represents. It's he, it's the bookend with him and Baron de Rothschild. So where are we headed? We're, if you missed yesterday's show, we're headed to the carbon net zero economy. And the next person in line would be Evelyn de Rothschild's son, who is David de Rothschild, who is the nature boy, right? And he's all about the earth. And they've been programming people to trust him. Because he cares about the earth and he's got a the plastiki, which is a takeoff on the contiki. And it's a boat made entirely of recycled plastic. Right? So he's always going to be posting. A, and he's a Virgo, so it's not too far out of his wheels. By the way, Evelyn de Rothschild was also a Virgo. So this is this is just kind of circulating back to yesterday's show. So if you missed yesterday's show, this is what we were talking about. But what happens is that when you begin to shine a light on a particular group, it doesn't matter what the group is, that group will then do things in order to uh, maintain its power and locus of control. I'll give you an example that has nothing to do with uh, a group that's related to any particular religion or culture per se. So you go back to the 1970s and you look at what Anita Anita Bryant was doing. And Anita Bryant, you know, she's corny. And she has even some strange 
affiliations with people like Bob Hope, who's, you know, kind of creepy, right? But Anita Bryant starts to come out swinging um, against what we would call gay or homosexual or queer power. And that she believes that they're going to come into the schools and come into our lives and begin to inject their morals or in her case, lack of morals or her ideology, lack of morals into the system and ultimately come for the children. That's what Anita Bryant was talking about. And she was actually very successful during that period of time because America was more conservative than it is now. It's way more conservative. It was way more conservative. So what happens then is that there is a concerted. See, so she's shining a light, right? She's shining a light on that particular subject and topic. And then once she started to shine a light, then what do you have? Then you have the reaction. <clears throat> so she was public enemy number one. And um, the one of the most famous incidents is when she got pied in the face by a queer activist, right? Um, and her comeback, I thought, was great. She said, well, at least it was a fruit pie. But that was that was the beginning of the tar <clears throat> excuse me, the targeted targeting and the canceling of Anita Bryant, right? So that's how it works. But you shine a light on a particular group, doesn't matter what the group is. If the group holds power through secrecy, um, power through proxy, then they will become agitated and they will make sure that the person that's got the the high the high beam flashlight is eradicated because they don't like it. They don't like it when the light of truth is shown upon their power and their influence. So if we're seeing this now with somebody like Kanye West and Kyrie Irving, um, the, the, the group who is being offended and who believes that they are being unfairly singled out, they will they they will they will essentially do the same thing that the activists did with Anita Bryant with the pie in the face because and this is what's happening now because they don't want anybody having this discussion or having this conversation. And one of the things that came out with my show with Danny, which I highly recommend on Friday, is that it all needs to be on the table. It all needs to be on the table. Nothing. And I mean, nothing should be sacrosanct. Everything needs to be out there. And when you, when there are groups and there are individuals who summarily dismiss the ability to have a conversation about something, that is a red flag. You have to ask why. Why are you shutting this down? Why are you not talking about it? Why are you not putting it on the table? And this is what a lot, a lot of what Kanye has been trying to talk about. So this is where we are now. And when this happens, it all depends on how, how quickly they're able to shut, shut down the dissent. If they're able to shut down the dissent very quickly, um, 
you know, then it's a slap on the wrist, right? But if they're not able to shut down the dissent quickly, then it becomes a bigger issue. And you can see that there will be greater measures taken or more people that will be pointed out or more cancellation or fill in the blanks, right? And again, we're living in this world now where when that happens, the inverse gets activated. It's just the way it is. The inverse gets activated. So the more that a particular group wants to, whatever the group is, I don't care what it is, the more that a particular group is invested in muting or canceling a person or point of view, it's going to have the inverse effect because that's where we are. Once Jupiter and Saturn went into Aquarius on the same day, the 21st of December in 2020, it set up a 20-year cycle of inversion. That's how Aquarius works. So Aquarius doesn't like to be controlled either. That's the other side of the coin. It's the most paradoxical sign because it wants to belong. Right, it, want, it wants to belong. It wants to be a part of a group, but it also doesn't want to conform. So this is where we are with Aquarius and the the next, you know, from basically 2020 to 2040. That's the story, Morning Glory. All right, let's talk a little bit about the three-card Monty with um, the political game. Um, good friend of the show, Lisa, sent me a text this morning about uh, John Fetterman. And to me, this is uh, a perfect example of the three-card Monty. So let me, uh, let me see if I can find this. Let's do a little Fetterman Wikipedia. So the minute that I saw that um, Fetterman was, was uh, running for for office um and and, and I, I saw his physical condition the first thing that came to my mind is this dude is temporary he's just a fucking placeholder because if you think that he's there to you know be there for the duration of his term you're sadly mistaken Sadly mistaken. So I didn't know who his replacement would be, but in the back of my mind, you know, it's always the wife. Or it's always the kind of the woman waiting in the wings. You know, like you had Benino Aquino. And then, of course, uh, his his wife, the Corey Aquino, steps in uh, when Leo Ryan got murdered in Guyana, who took his place, Jackie Spire, who was his, basically the, 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 you know, the word in the street was Leo Ryan was banging Jackie Spire and she was his assistant. And then she ran for his seat and she got it. Right. What happened when Sonny Bono uh, ran into a tree while he was skiing, who took over his, his spot, I think he was a congressman, right? It was Mary Bono, his wife. 
Don't Cry for Me, Argentina. Evita, right, took over for her husband. This happens all the time. The woman waiting in the wings takes over for the man who can no longer do the job. So let's look at John Fetterman. And he is the face of the three-card Monty. So we're going to go through all this stuff. Mayor Braddock, blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, Fetterman is a strong supporter of Israel-United States relations. Instead, if he's elected as U.S. Senator, he will lean on the relation between the United States and Israel. He said that the U.S.-Israel relation was a special one that needs to be safeguarded, protected, supported, and nurtured through legislation and all available diplomatic efforts in the region. He supports the United States foreign aid to Israel, including Iron Dome funding. If you know what Iron Dome is, it's a defense system. Fetterman criticized congressional Democrats who voted against the Iron Dome funding calling them fringe and extreme. So let me get this straight. The United States is paying for this very sophisticated defense system called Iron Dome, meaning that anybody who wants to attack Israel has to go through their Iron Dome defense system, which is a composite of high-level analytics, tracking, tracing, um, Missiles, probably um, uh, ground-to-air, surface-to-surface, high-caliber machine guns that are, you know, connected to thermal imaging and all this shit, right? So the United States is supposed to pay for that. This is what's up here. Paul infringement. Fetterman has said he supports the right of Israel to defend itself. And is a passion is passionate in his opposition to boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. So he's an anti-BDS guy. He supported a law signed into law by Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf that barred Pennsylvania from entering into contracts with companies that boycott Israel. That's a big deal all across the United States. By the way, Ron DeSantis is right at the front of that movement. He supports a two-state solution and the expansion of the Abraham Accords, the Arab-Israeli agreements brokered under the Trump administration. I don't think Israel supports a two-state solution, which is interesting. I want to get into his personal life. Fetterman is married to Giselle Barreto Fetterman, ni Almieta, a Brazilian-American activist. Almieta, who was once an undocumented immigrant and a resident of Newark, New Jersey, Heard about Fetterman's work as Mayor Braddock and wrote him a letter in 2007. Fetterman invited Almieta to visit Braddock, and a year later they were married. The couple has three children and live in a converted car dealership with their rescue dogs, Levi and Artie. The family has chosen to not live in State House, the official residence for Pennsylvania's lieutenant governor. The couple has three children and two sons together. In autumn 2020, Gizeh Fetterman shared a photo of the family's home while John was being interviewed. Levi's humorous expression resulted in the photograph going viral. The next day, an unconnected fan of Levi created a Twitter account in his name. Oh, this is just, 
So sweet. All right, let's check her out. So this is the person who will ultimately wind up taking over for John Fetterman. A Brazilian-American activist, philanthropist, and nonprofit executive. She's founder of the nonprofit Free Store 15104 and co-founder of the nonprofits for Good PhG and 412 Food Rescue as the wife of United States Senator-elect and Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman. She is the second current lady of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. She was born in Rio de Janeiro when she was seven years old. Uh, Fetterman came to the United States as an undocumented child immigrant with her mother and younger brother taking up residence in a one-room apartment in New York City. They left Brazil due to violent crime in their community in New York. The family lived in poverty and furnished their apartment with furniture they found on the street. Fetterman said that her family often depended on food banks and thrift stores. Her mother, who has a PhD degree from a Brazilian university, had worked as a nutritionist and an educator took jobs cleaning hotels and houses and was often denied pay due to her status as an undocumented immigrant. Fetterman did not speak English when she arrived in the United States and enrolled in an English as a second language program at her school in Queens. The family later moved to Newark, New Jersey. She studied at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Fetterman received her green card in 2004 and became a citizen in 2009. This talks about her activism and her public life. Right, so she's a big food person, a big uh, nutrition person. Let's see what else she has here. She has pushed for the United States Congress to take humane and compassionate approaches to immigration and petitioned that immigrant families should not be separated. She spoke in favor of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals and criticized U.S. President Donald Trump for attempting to end the program. She also supports legalization of marijuana in Pennsylvania and support of LGBTQ rights in the United States. She was named best activist by the Pittsburgh City Paper for her community involvement. In 2019, Fetterman and her husband opened the pool at the Lieutenant Governor's Mansion located on Fort Indian Town Gap to children who would not normally have access to one. The residence on property owned by the Pennsylvania National Guard is located about 25 miles from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Fetterman, whose family has chosen not to live at the official residence, runs a program teaching water safety at the pool. Her teaching water safety, not him, obviously. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? She served as the host and honorary chairperson for the uh, 2019 Hispanic Heritage Gala on September 28, 2019. The event held at the West End Convention Center of Pittsburgh raised money for the Pittsburgh Metropolitan Area Hispanic Chamber of Commerce's Foundation Educational Fund on October 29, 2019. She was the first woman recipient of the Rodell Shalom Congregation's Pursuer of Peace Award. How about that? So we get into some of her personal life here. In 20, 2007, Gisela 
that John Fetterman, mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania, after writing him, blah, 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 blah. We know all that. Fetterman is close friends with Kim Kardashian. Wow. Talk about connecting the loop. How does, how does Giselle Fetterman become close friends with Kim Kardashian? Isn't that interesting? She endorsed Senator Elizabeth Warren in the 2020 Democratic presidential primaries. She endorsed former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden in the 2020 United States presidential election. Fetterman was the subject of an online controversy in February 2020 after a local official commented negatively on her husband posting a picture to social media showing her in a Rio Carnival costume. Ooh la la. Um, that's not that. I'd like to see the photo. Um, that's not that controversial. So she is a Pisces. He's a he's a Leo, by the way. She's a Pisces. Now, I'm not going to get into some of the uh, underground background of. Uh, Miss Barreto Fetterman, but um, there are rumors that she is not entirely what she seems, right? That she has other connections to people that are, uh, let's just say, part of a network. And it would not be, it would not be out of bounds to suggest that the three card Monty in this situation would be to get Fetterman in. And I thought to myself, this guy, he'll be lucky if he lasts six months. It's really the person that they want to get in behind him. And I guarantee you it's, it's her. It's she's got all the bona fides. She's got all the credentials. She's lined up all of her Shalom awards, activist of the year. She's a woman. She's a Latina. Uh, who knows? Maybe she'll announce that she's, you know, bi or something later on. And just check all the boxes. But uh, that that's part of the three-card Monty, right, that politics has to offer. The other thing with, with, with politics and the three-card Monty, let me show you this. Let me see if I can find this. I was watching Jason Whitlock yesterday. And um, he had Kathy Barnett on. And I've always, like, on the surface, Kathy Barnett sounds like an interesting um, alternative to Oz and all these other people, right? But Kathy Barnett was asked a question um, about Kyrie. Now, when you look at um, Kathy Barnett's house. She's making her allegiance quite clear. So here we see a menorah. Here we see allegiance to the flag of Israel. And nobody's really, Jason's not really asking her about this, but it will come up in the interview. And it comes up when she starts talking about, um, it, it, she's very convoluted with this thing, but I'm going to play it. And again, 
This is part of the three card Monty. Now, is she aware that she's a part of the three card Monty? I, I don't know, but this is how it works, right? They're going to give us somebody like Kathy Barnett, who for all intents and purposes, sounds really rational. By the way, I have a hard time with her voice. Her voice is a little annoying, um, but sounds rational facts over feelings. You know, she's got the, the right bona fides. You know, she's black. She grew up in a poor area. Um, might've been the byproduct of a, of a rape born anyway. It's like, you just check again, check those boxes. She ticks all the boxes. I think she served in the military, uh, has a background in finance. I mean, all those things are, they're admirable, right? So then she gets into, she wades into the swamp of Kyrie and Kanye, and she's just really not qualified to go there and tries to kind of climb her way out of the swamp. Let's see if we can find this. On Monday, the day before the election, I, I hosted a parental rights uh, matter rally. And we had almost, um, I think it was about 500 people that showed up the night before. Okay, let's find Jason. Usually when we see Jason, he's asking her the question. Oh, right, here we go. I wanted, because Kathy came up in the banking industry, uh, we had a little conversation about the treatment of Kanye West. Kyrie Irving and just like people are coming down on them really, really hard. I'm taking a lot of heat for defending these guys along freedom of speech lines and uh, freedom of religion, particularly as it relates to Kyrie Irving. Uh, I, I just wanted you to share your insight, your thoughts on uh, how we seem to be reacting to a couple of guys that have thoughts that aren't but you know that used to be allowed in this country that you know and i've written and talked about what malcolm x and muhammad ali and people that were celebrated in previous generations what they thought what they said and how we reacted to them now we're reacting differently and, and kanye can't bank anymore at jp morgan and uh kyrie is having money taken from suspended for five games no pay uh for tweet a tweet of an image that this seems preposterous to me. A tweet of an image that he's not receiving any money from, right? He just yeah. tweeted something from my understanding. Yes. Uh, is that movie still up on Amazon? Of is course. Jeff Bezos still receiving money from that image, uh, from that movie? Of course. Is anyone attacking Jeff Bezos or the Amazon platform? Of course. Is anyone not. canceling <laughs> him, deplatforming him? I mean, you know, it stands to reason that Jeff Bezos is receiving all the benefit from a movie that is so horrible uh, that, you know, that they have to start canceling individuals just for retreating, re retweeting. Now, allow me to qualify by saying I have not seen the tweet that uh, Kyrie Irving uh, retweeted. I don't even know the name of the movie. Uh, if it's a movie or a documentary, if it's fiction or what, I have no idea what is what it's about. Um, nor have I seen, uh, uh, other than the Tucker Carlson interview, uh, as presented on the show itself, whatever that edited version may be, that's all I've seen. I haven't seen anything else that, uh, I know that there's a video of him sitting in a room with 
some other black men smoking and drinking and talking. I went back after all of this hit the fan to try to watch it, but that video in its entirety is gone. You can only see clips no, and I not. refuse to watch these edited clips because I know how people get to edit and try to tell their version of the story. So I don't really know what in the world uh, that uh, that Kanye and Kyrie did so horrible that it would cause a company like JP Morgan and Chase. I believe if I'm, I may be wrong on this, but I believe I read an article where um, uh, Kanye West had $123 million in in the bank with uh, J or under management by JP Morgan and Chase. Now, again, I spent some time in the Wall Street environment, in the financial industry, and when I'm dealing, I mean, I worked on the buy side and I worked on the sell side, especially the buy side. We're talking about, you know, big money here, right, with these mutual funds. And the goal was, if I- All right, hold on, let's move forward. Reasonable human being who's worked in this industry and wait a minute, what happened to the whole Black Lives Matter? And, you know, let's just- you know, no matter what kind of heinous activities we do as black people, the rioting, the looting, the shooting and all of that, we got to, you know, we, 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 we got to give them the benefit of the doubt. But the other thing is that I remember in 2019, early 2019, I had the wonderful opportunity to go spend uh, many days, a little bit over a week in Israel. And I love Israel. Oh, my goodness. I love the Jewish people. Um, I love their history. It's just steeped in uh, depth. Even in my book, after I came, I was still, I was in the process of writing my book at that time. And when I came back home, I added a chapter about just the richness and depth of Israel and all that I learned while I was there. But one of the things that was very prominent during that trip is that in America, you had the squad, the AOC, the uh, Ilhan Omar, and others, the Democrat Party, and several others, uh, Black Lives Matter, who was really pushing and making a lot of noise over this divest, boycott, and sanction Israel. And they were acting very anti-Semitic. And I remember coming back home, getting off the plane, going straight into the off, uh, in, um, in front of the cameras at Fox News in New York, and I started talking about you know, uh, what it is that they're doing and how dangerous their rhetoric is uh, for the Jewish people, but not just the Jewish people, but for any minority group of people. Um, and I talked about my experience in Israel and all that Israel has done to help uh, uh, those who, you know, uh, the surrounding Muslim communities. Um, I don't remember anyone trying to deplatform Ilhan Omar. I don't remember anyone trying to deplatform AOC. Um, and, and, and the other Black Lives Matter, I can't think of the one um, young black man who lives here in, um, in Pennsylvania. Uh, he was very prominent during the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm a host of a television show. I can't even think of his name right now. But D. Ray McKesson. Mark Lamont, Hill. Oh, Mark Lamont yes. Hill. Yes, Mark Lamont Hill. Yes, yes. He was a real advocate, very anti-Semitic, some of the things he was saying during. So this is, again, part of the three-card Monty, right? Like, we're going to get Kathy Barnett, and she's going to, you know, be this shining light for conservative values. Um, she's a mother. She's got a family. Um, she's a minority. She's articulate. All those things. They just check all those boxes. And then you get to the end of the interview, right? Where she can't even really articulate the fact that the Palestinians happen to be Semitic people, 
Like, how can you be, how can you be anti-Semitic when you're pro-Palestinian? Right? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Now, is she being naive? I don't know. Is she being uh, sponsored? And and that's just her, you know, her uh, naivete and her sponsorship kind of, you know, colluding together so that she can have a platform and firmly believe in her platform. Maybe, maybe that's the case. But it's another example of the three-card Monty. Anyway, we're out of here for today. And uh, prayers go out to our dear friend, Wendy, and her family. And we'll see you tomorrow at 12 noon at Trueham Science. Until then, use your head in order to show what's real, your heart to set what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Take care and bye for now.